Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11. If you're able, I invite you to stand as we read this portion of Scripture together. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work, you, your son or your daughter, your male or female servant, your livestock, or the alien resident in your towns. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, but rested the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and consecrated it. This is the word of God. And you can grab your seat. Did somebody say, huh, when I said the aliens residing among you? Yeah, that's another word for, you know, people who are visiting or who are new to your uh, to your country. So it's uh, probably a helpful distinction uh, to make. So from uh, these verses this morning, I'll preach from the title, Aligning with God, Aligning with God. I am fascinated by the patterns that can be found in nature. Spirals, for example, provide the shape of everything from hurricanes to pine cones to sunflowers Uh, to our own DNA. These spirals actually reflect a math equation known as, anybody know what it's called? Good. I'm glad somebody said, say it louder, Jer, because I don't know how to pronounce it. So what Jer said, uh, in which each successive number is equal to the sum of the two preceding numbers. Please don't ask me any more questions about that. Go find Jer. Another simpler pattern, a pattern that's more my speed that you can find in nature is the grain in something. For example, when you're driving along a road that has been cut out of a hillside, you might notice layers of rock, strata of rock, which have parallel lines running through them. Understanding the grain of something and the way in which it runs is important for the person working in that medium. A carpenter who wants to make a clean cut through a piece of lumber will typically saw with the grain. On the other hand, a chef wanting to serve tender pieces of steak will be careful to slice across the grain. Respecting the natural characteristics of a thing allows the person working with it to cooperate with the grain rather than fighting against it. Our passage this morning comes from a larger section in the Old Testament book of Exodus in which God gave his people ten commandments. And in our specific verses, God commanded his people to honor the Sabbath Because God rested on the seventh day of creation. It is as though God revealed the grain of the universe to his newly freed people. A day of rest running through everything made sacred by God's rest after six days of creation. And then, having uncovered, having revealed the direction of this grain running through everything, God invited his people to 
honor the character of creation by remembering and keeping holy the weekly Sabbath day. A few months ago, a younger pastor who lives out of town asked me on a phone call about the spiritual practices which sustain me in ministry. And I started to answer him, and then he interrupted me, and he said something like, I know, I know the Sabbath. (laughs) And I laughed, and he laughed because I am a broken record on this topic. But he was not wrong. The reason I have kept a Sabbath day of rest for more than 20 years is not because I'm especially disciplined. It's not because God will be disappointed in me if I don't. It's not because Sabbath is a magical practice which makes my life better. No, I continue to be compelled to keep a 24-hour day of rest because I have found that nothing is so effective at aligning me with the grain of God's creation. So this year, as Pastor Michelle said, Our church is prioritizing rhythms of Sabbath, collective rhythms of Sabbath. What what does that mean? Well, stick around for this year. We're going to find out together what what that means. In the Hebrew scriptures, God instructs his people to give the land itself a Sabbath rest every seven years. Well, this is our 14th year as a church. And so it it seemed right to us as we prayerfully discerned our priorities for 2024. It seemed right that we would grow together this year into the grain of Sabbath running through God's creation. We do so with an expectation that because God designed his world with sanctified rest running through it, As we honor the grain of the Sabbath, we're going to find ourselves growing closer to the God who gives us the gift of rest. My big idea today is this. We align with God as we honor the Sabbath. We align with God as we honor the Sabbath. How? How is it that practicing Sabbath aligns us more closely with God? Well, if we understand Sabbath as being one of the grains running through the universe, one of the fundamental characteristics of the God-created world, then honoring Sabbath will naturally align us with the God who created everything around us. More practically, very specifically this morning, honoring the Sabbath aligns us with God by helping us, one, accept the Creator's generosity, Two, accepting the creation's character. And three, accepting our community's obligations. Honoring the Sabbath aligns us with God by helping us accept the creator's generosity, accept the creation's character, and accept our community's obligations. You with me so far? Number one. Honoring Sabbath aligns us with God by helping us accept the Creator's generosity. As I was kind of joking with our kids just now, typically adults who have not practiced Sabbath don't intuitively love the idea. 
of Sabbath. We like the idea of an occasional vacation, but a weekly disciplined day of rest gives some of us the willies. And, and so what I've noticed is two different responses. One, I've had people say, I don't have to keep Sabbath because Jesus has freed me from having to keep that command. Like that was an Old Testament thing, and now Jesus has freed me from having to keep that command. The other response I get is, that's just too hard. That's just too much. There's no way on earth that I could actually set aside 24 hours to stop. Both of these responses reflect a posture to Sabbath, which assumes that it is mostly a duty, that it is mostly a task, mostly an obligation, which in turn reflects a view of God, which is mostly demanding. I want to suggest that our intuitive response to Sabbath reveals something about how we view God. That if our response when hearing the invitation to Sabbath is to feel burdened, it might be telling us something about our assumptions about what God is like. But is that God? Is God a taskmaster? Does God layer on burdens to his people? Most of us here would say, no, absolutely not. And yet Sabbath holds up a mirror that gets below those immediate responses. As we enter a new year, how do you hear? How do you respond to the invitation to keep Sabbath? What does it reveal to you about your assumptions about God? I don't ask that question to make you feel guilty. It's actually a very reasonable question for people who follow Jesus to ask on occasion. Because Jesus' expectations for his people cut radically against the grain of our society's assumptions. As a few examples, just sticking with a few chapters from the Sermon on the Mount. In a culture like ours that is quick to slander its opponents. Pastor Michelle prayed about the coming election. Jesus says that that anyone who says, you fool, will be in the danger of the fires of hell. In a culture which treats sex as just one more act of consenting pleasure, Jesus says that simply lusting after someone is akin to committing adultery with them. In a culture which expects us to define ourselves by who we are against, Jesus expects his followers to love their enemies. In a culture which glorifies spectacular consumption, Jesus invites us to give generously and quietly so that the needy can be provided for with dignity. In a culture which has quite literally built an economy on greed and theft, Jesus instructs his disciples to store up their treasures in heaven. In a culture whose corporations have weaponized anxiety to sell us more and more stuff that we don't need, Jesus invites us to follow the example of the lilies and the birds and to set aside our worry and fear. In a culture which is very quick to judge 
ideological insiders and outsiders, Jesus commands us to pay way more attention to the plank in our own eye than to the speck in our neighbor's eyes. We could go on. The way of Jesus cuts radically against our society's grain, which can make the way of Jesus feel impossible. And if we're not careful, we will turn Jesus' invitation to live in harmony with the kingdom of God, to live the blessed and the abundant life, into a religious burden. And Sabbath says no. Sabbath helps us to hear Jesus' commands, not as a burden, but as an invitation into the fullness of life. Why? Because Sabbath is a gift given to us by a God who just fundamentally is a giver, generous, the epitome of grace. Sabbath is a gift because God is a giver. Just the first couple of chapters of Genesis, when God is calling everything into existence, God gives plants to the animals for food. God gives plants to people for food. God gives people to one another for community. God gives people to the rest of the creation for the flourishing of all creation. God gives himself to all of creation so that it would know its purpose in worship. God is a giver by nature. Creation is sustained by the grace and the gift of God. Jesus gives himself. Jesus gives himself to us. Salvation by grace through faith is not exceptional. It wasn't God's plan B. It wasn't an afterthought. It's just who God is. Practicing Sabbath positions us to see and to accept our God's generosity. When I first started practicing Sabbath many years ago, it did start as a discipline. It was not intuitive to me. There was nobody around me saying, this is a good idea. Still on occasion, there are elements of it that require discipline. But if I can be very honest, I keep Sabbath because I've become addicted to the grace of Jesus. I need to taste and see of the generosity of my God in a very practical, tangible, physical way at least once a week. You and I are experts at turning God's gifts into obligations. We are experts at turning God's generosity into rule keeping. We are great at turning grace into self-righteousness. So let me invite you to keep the Sabbath in 2024. To keep the Sabbath and and to watch how your experience of God, not your ideas about God, not your theology about God, not what you're supposed to think about God. Watch how your experience of God starts to align more with the generous, gracious character of God we find in scriptures. I bet it will happen to you. Because it's happened to me. Honoring the Sabbath aligns us with God 
by helping us to accept the creator's generosity. Second, by helping us accept creation's character. Most of us don't think about creation as having characteristics or or attributes. Um, The world for most of us is mitigated through technologies and through buildings and through uh, car windows. Creation is something that's out there that we can choose to engage with or not, or at least that's our perception. We we think of creation as, as being available for us to take from when needed. But if the world was created, then we can assume that the creator gave it some characteristics some attributes, that there are some things that we can say about God's creation. For example, Scripture reveals that creation's character is vulnerable. Creation can be wounded, can be marred, can be destroyed. Creation needs to be protected, needs to be cared for. Scripture shows us that creation, as I just said, is giving, that the creation gives to itself and to us. The psalmists especially reveal the character of creation to be worshipful. To proclaim the glory and the beauty and the abundance of God simply by being the tree that the tree is supposed to be. The the river that the river is supposed to be. The the firmament in the heaven that the stars are supposed to be. We could go on. The creation has characteristics to it. One of those characteristics is that the creation, God's creation, is seasonal. Can you say seasonal? The author of Ecclesiastes writes in Ecclesiastes 3 and 1, For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. Creation was made for seasons. Our family got to travel to, to ourselves' homeland this summer, to, to Puerto Rico. And we almost didn't come back because it's that good, right, ours? I mean, it is that good. And, you know, I hadn't been to the tropics for a long time. And so in my mind, I'm thinking, well... There's not really seasons in Puerto Rico. It's the tropics. It's close to the equator. It's just kind of all the, all the same, you know, with the, the heat and the humidity and the thunderstorms and the ocean climate. But that's not the case. In, in, in Puerto Rico, for example, the ocean waves are much bigger in the wintertime than they are in the summertime. There are certain fruits that you can only get at certain times of the year. There's certain times of the year where, where hurricanes are more likely to, to be coming through. We think of seasons very obviously where we live, but it's true of all of God's creation. Creation is seasonal. It's how the creator made things to be. Some of us yesterday for the prayer around the schools walk, we walked by the Jackie Robinson uh, raised garden beds. Sonia and Maggie and, and many of you take care of those beds in the summertime and there's beautiful things growing and the tomatoes are amazing and you know, neighbors walk by and that's just great. Well, it doesn't quite look like that right now, <laughs> right? There's a, there was a layer of snow on all of the garden beds yesterday, but those beds need that quiet. They need that dormancy. The soil needs time to rest, to be rejuvenated. The compost that was layered in needs time to work its way into the soil. You and I forget about this character of creation. We forget that creation is seasonal because we can walk into Mariano's any day of the year and we can get whatever fruit or vegetable we want. Just, it's just apparently it's always in season. And it is somewhere, but it had to get to us. We act as though creation is always in season, which means we act like we're always in season too. We act that because 
the, the creation always seems to be available and on, that we always need to be available and on as well. We act as though because we can get whatever we need from creation anytime we need to get it, we should be available to be taken from, to give, to serve, to do, to be productive all the time. But creation is seasonal. You are not meant to always be on. You are not meant to always be going, always be doing, always be responding, always be reacting, always be accomplishing. Somebody say amen. Amen. And Sabbath helps us to accept creation's character. In this case, creation's seasonal character. How? Well, Sabbath itself is seasonal. It's once a week. There's a a seasonal rhythm to it. Every seven years, sabbatical year. Every 50 years, the year of Jubilee. Sabbath, in God's imagination, is a reflection of the seasonal character of creation. When we observe a weekly day of worship and rest, we are being aligned with the the seasonal nature of creation. It ensures that in your life, there are regular times of rejuvenation, reflection, dormancy. Your life needs to look like a snow-covered garden bed once a week. Where it looks like there's nothing happening on the surface, but in the deep places, God's putting you back together. In the deep places, you're being healed and restored and rejuvenated and refreshed and resurrected beyond your capacity, your agenda, your doing. It's just God doing the thing that only God can do. Sabbath is seasonal in that way. And so we are aligned to the seasonal character of creation. But Sabbath also attunes us to the seasons we are living through. Now, on one level, I mean that very practically. See, when you take a 24-hour weekly day of rest, you start to notice what the weather's like. Like some of us, we can go all week long and we don't have to know what the weather's like. Because you work from home or you go from your garage to your car to the, to the parking garage. You don't have to pay attention to whether we're in a drought or not. To whether we're getting enough snow this year or not. To how long the heat was. You don't have to pay attention to any of that stuff. But you stop. And you set a whole day aside for unproductivity. You start to pay attention to what the seasons are like. And you start to notice that there are seasons of dormancy and rest. Start to wonder if God created an entire quarter of the year for everything to just stop. Who in the heck am I that I think I don't need to even stop once a week to rest? How am I so prideful? Where did this hubris come from to think that I'm not a creature like everything else, that I'm not created like everything else, that somehow I'm more like God than the rest of creation? Watch this. Sabbath also attunes us to the spiritual seasons that we're living through. Because you and I, we don't live just on a slow and steady and upward plane. Our, Our spiritual trajectory doesn't just look like this nice, easy, slow. It's this. It's forwards and backwards and left and right. Turn around a few times. That's what it means to be human. 
But without Sabbath, we don't know where we are. We don't know the season that we're in. And so some of you, God intends for you to be in a season of reflection, but you're acting like you're in a season of productivity. Some of you, you you think that you're in a season of harvesting and you're frustrated because there's nothing to harvest. And God says, no, this is a season of sowing, actually, of planting. You don't need to see anything coming out of the ground yet because I'm just asking you to sow. But you're frustrated because there's nothing growing yet. Sabbath allows you and I to attune ourselves to the season that God has us in. And to live in harmony with that season. Oh, this is a season of sowing. Okay, cool. Great. I don't have to be discouraged then. I can just be faithful. Oh, this is a season of rejuvenation. Oh, I got some work to do on my calendar then. I've got some appointments I need to cancel then. I've got some things I need to reschedule because I need to rest. I need to be refreshed right now. You understand what I'm saying? Sabbath helps us to accept the seasonal character of creation, which then allows us to align with the one who created the creation. You see, when we start living in harmony with the creation, we can't help but live in harmony with the creator. In in a few minutes, we're going to celebrate Holy Communion. And, And Christians say that communion, like baptism, it's a sacrament. It's a, it's a visible sign of God's invisible grace. When you, when, you, when you receive communion, communion points beyond itself. The bread and the cup point beyond itself to the body and the blood of Jesus. Right? So that, that's what a sacrament is. I want to suggest that all of God's creation is sacramental. That God's creation points beyond itself to the one who created it. Starting with you, image bearer of the living God. When people encounter you, they're meant to be directed to the one who created you. So as we live in harmony with God's creation, we can't help but be pointed to the one who created all things. So, so, so how might you do this this year? How, how might you incorporate something into your Sabbath day, which just makes you a little bit more aware of God's creation? A walk? Look, look Pastor Michelle came to Pat's yesterday. It was not Pastor Michelle kind of weather yesterday. <laughs> Woman grew up in California. It was not California weather yesterday. But she had a jacket on and a coat on. Do you know you can go outside in January in Chicago? You are allowed to take a 10 or 15 minute walk. Maybe not for Angel, but for others of us, we could we take a 10 or 15 minute walk. Any time of the year. Maybe it's not a walk. Maybe, maybe, it's, maybe you're going to journal the seasons. Maybe you're going to sit in front of your window. Maybe, maybe you don't get to see a lot of creation, but there's a tree that you can see. You're going to just pay attention to that tree once a week all year long. You're going to notice how that tree changes. What that tree causes you to imagine about the one who created that tree. I did this uh, last year. I went to the same place in Jackson Park for about three months. And, I, and I, in my journal, I sketched the same scene. Now, I'm not going to show you the sketches. <laughs> Nobody gets to see the sketches. But, but, but doing that, it's like 15 minutes, I, I started seeing things I didn't see before. started noticing things I didn't notice before. I watched how it changed, how it grew into the springtime season out of the dead of winter. Maybe it's every Sunday you're going to schedule a lunch or a coffee with, 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 with one person from this church. 
You're just going to show up curious. What am I going to see about my creator as I have lunch with this beautiful image bearer of the living God? How is this person going to point me beyond themselves to the one who is so beautifully and purposely made in the image of God? So many ways that we could do this. How are you in 2024 going to incorporate Sabbath in a way that harmonizes you with God's creation? Finally, last one. Honoring the Sabbath aligns us with God by helping us to accept our community's obligations, our community's obligations. So here's my hunch. This is, I think this is the biggest way that the way you and I think about Sabbath differs from the way the people we read about in scripture thought about Sabbath. When we hear the invitation to Sabbath, we think individually, we think, okay, what am I going to do? Okay. Now I, I need to figure this out. I need to fit this into my life. I I need to be the one to kind of like hold this responsibility. This is me. This is on me. Uh, What we find in scripture, though, is something very different. It's always us. It's always we. It's always the community's experience of this weekly day of worship and rest. So think communally for a second. Think collectively for just a second. One of the biggest ways to turn Sabbath into an obligation is to just limit it to you individually. That's when we start talking about like, I'm trying. (laughs) Oh, but I failed. I wasn't able to, I haven't taken Sabbath in a month. That's a very individual experience of Sabbath. So let's think corporately. Let's think communally this year. Because Sabbath, as we read in Exodus, was meant for everybody. It was meant literally for the animals that people were caring for. It was meant for, for servants. It was meant for guests, migrants, immigrants. It was meant for everybody was, was supposed to experience and receive the gift of Sabbath. So yes, you have to think about you. You have to be intentional about you. But you locate yourself within the larger community that we are a, a part of. So Sabbath is rooted for us in our community obligations. Sabbath happens together. There is no vision for a solitary Sabbath in scripture. I was listening to this podcast, the Ezra Klein podcast, uh, a few months ago. And Ezra Klein, he works for New York Times. He's, he's not a, a, a religious person, but he's very interested in Sabbath. It comes up regularly in his, uh, in his podcast. And so he had this woman on named Judith Shulovitz, who's written this book about keeping Sabbath. And he asked her in the interview, he said, look, can, can non-religious people, can, can secular people experience and, and practice Sabbath? And this was her answer. She said, my experience with the secular Sabbath experiments has been that they happen around a dinner. They happen around some kind of social event. You are doing then in part what Shabbat was meant to do for you or what the Christian Sabbath was meant to do for you. You are going to wind up finding your way into a community that makes it a part of their life. And that's probably going to be a religious community, she says. It doesn't have to be, but if you want that rich, textured experience, it's going to wind up heading in that general direction. Another way to say that is, church, we were built for this. (laughs) We were literally built for this, to experience God's gift of Sabbath together. So that's why this year we are really asking if new community is your church home, we are asking you to prioritize keeping Sabbath together to not just thinking individually because it's always going to be just outside of our grasp. If we limit it to our, to our individual experiences. And as we do, then the Sabbath points to our obligations to one another. 
to the responsibility that we have for one another. Sabbath was intended for the good of the children in the community, for the good of, of, of literally the, 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 the wildlife in the community, for those who were passing through, through those who were most vulnerable, refugees, migrants, immigrants. It was meant for everybody. The community had obligations for the care and the flourishing, particularly for the most vulnerable in the community. That's the case for us as well. We are obliged to one another in this kind of way. And Sabbath gives us the platform for that. In corporate worship, as we serve one another, as we joyfully fellowship around potluck tables together, these are the ways that we start to, to, to step in time together with God's rhythms of Sabbath. We're going to explore many of the dimensions of Sabbath this year, uh, starting with the, the workshop coming up. But, but one of these dimensions is the way that Sabbath acts as a sanctuary in time. As, as Abraham Heschel said, a sanctuary in time where the people of God can gather together in time and in space to just be together in the presence of God. See, all week long, you and I, we are scattered into the world to workplaces, to friends, to neighborhoods, to responsibilities, to tasks. That's good. We're scattered. We depend on the Holy Spirit of God. And then we are gathered back. And we are meant to gather back, not just for like an hour and a half worship service. We are meant to gather back into a sanctuary in time where we are just with our people, where the filter can come off, where you don't have to explain yourself, where you just with your people in the presence of the living God who is putting us back together. We are living right now through what the Surgeon General calls an epidemic of loneliness, an epidemic of loneliness. People are spending more time alone than they ever have in this country. People are less involved in communal activity than they ever have been in this country. The number of people's close friends has diminished beyond what it has ever been. We're living through an epidemic of loneliness. For, for us, for those of us in this room, Sabbath is meant to be a sanctuary in time where we remember we are not on our own. It is not just me. It's not just all on me. I don't have to fix this whole thing. I don't have to put my world together. These are my people. These are my sisters. These are my brothers. To whom I belong through the blood of Jesus. Honoring the Sabbath aligns us with God by helping us to accept our community's obligations. Accept our creator's generosity, creation's character, and our community's obligations. So in a minute, Pastor Michelle is going to come and pray over us as we, as we head to the communion table. But I want to give us two, three minutes right now, just in kind of quiet, prayerful reflection. I, as I said to our kids, it, it sometimes seems easier for our children to go, oh, no, this is really good, actually. This is a good gift. And so in these few minutes of, of prayer, notice where in your heart there's resistance. What, and what does that mean? What, what can be set aside? And then of these three, is there one that feels particularly appealing to you right now? Does one provoke particular joy or excitement? Provoke your imagination, aligning yourself with your creator's generosity, experiencing more of God's creation's character, or living into the goodness of our community's obligations? Choose just one of those. Let your heart just kind of naturally be attracted to one of those. And then ask God, would you use this as a joyful and appealing invitation to my heart this year? To say yes to your gift of Sabbath.